Another turn of the earth, and this time the needle drops on a Monday groove. This one that hums along to the tune of May 3rd, 2021. The month is well underway, with two days of experience behind us, and this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement seeks to catch you up while preparing you for the days to come. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and let's let the information begin. On today's installment, the Pantops Community Advisory Committee got a review last week on the update of Albemarle's affordable housing plan. A quick tour of the code building under construction in downtown Charlottesville, and Charlottesville Parks and Recreation has announced further easing of pandemic shutdowns. In today's reader-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville area tree stewards is getting ready for a series of fall classes for new volunteers. The Charlottesville area tree stewards increase public awareness of the value of trees in all environments, rural and urban. The fall 2021 class will involve a combination of online training sessions and field activities, with a maximum of 32 students to facilitate the best field training possible. The registration period opens on June 15th and slots will fill quickly. With a 15-week duration beginning August 7th and ending on November 13th, the online classes will precede the field activities held on every other Saturday at various locations in the Charlottesville area. You can learn more at charlottesvilleareatreestewards.org. Charlottesville police are investigating four shooting incidents that took place over the weekend, including one at West Haven Saturday night at which the filming of a rap video on a playground was interrupted by gunfire, according to eyewitnesses mentioned in the press release. One person went to the hospital with a gunshot wound. That's according to the press release, which also detailed incidents on Longwood Drive, 12th Street Northwest, and Swanson Drive. The Charlottesville Parks and Recreation Department has unveiled the further easing of restrictions, including the opening of the Charlottesville City Market to in-person attendance on May 15th. That's with COVID protocols in place, including wearing masks and temperature checks before admittance. Carver Recreation Center and Key Recreation Center will open on May 17th, and the Tonsler Recreation Center will open on May 24th. The spray grounds at Belmont Park, Forest Hills Park, Greenleaf Park, and Tonsler Park will open on May 29th. Crow Indoor Pool and Washington Park Pool will also reopen on May 29th. Except for Tonsler, attendees must make reservations in advance for the indoor facilities. You can do so at webtrack.charlottesville.gov or telephoning each facility. The Smith Aquatic and Fitness Center will not open until August 1st, given ongoing repairs to the internal ventilation system. There is also no time set for the outdoor Honesty Family Aquatic Center to open. It will remain closed due to staffing constraints. Visit the city's website for more information. At production time today, a rock slide has closed US-250 on Afton Mountain, and the Virginia Department of Transportation is advising people to use I-64 as an alternative through tomorrow. Personnel from the Virginia Department of Transportation are on the scene, assessing the extent of the slide and how to remove the material from the road and ensure the slope is stabilized. That's according to a release. No one was injured in the rock slide. On Tuesday, May 5th, tomorrow, 
the Albemarle Planning Commission will take up the Housing Albemarle Plan, which is intended to update the county's policies to encourage the production and sustaining of affordable places for people to live. Stacy Pethia, the county's housing coordinator, has been making the rounds of the county's community advisory councils and spoke to the Pantops Group on April 26th. Our current affordable housing policy was adopted in 2004, um, and that became a Chapter 9 of the Comprehensive Plan, um, and the policy itself is included as an appendix to the current comp plan. Um, in July 2019, the Planning Commission uh, passed a resolution of intent to update the current housing policy. The Planning Commission had a work session in March, and their public hearing will be held on Tuesday, May 4th. Much of the work is built off a regional housing needs assessment conducted in 2019 by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. The work is based on four conclusions from that study. One is that our, our population is going to continue growing and it's currently projected to grow by about 27% over the next 20 years. So we will need to find housing and make sure we have appropriate housing stock for that um, increased population. The current policy expands the number of policy objectives from five to 12 and has 39 recommended strategies. These include ideas to increase the overall number of houses in Albemarle, preserving existing affordable options, expanding community engagement opportunities about housing, and more. Really addressing fair housing and community equity throughout the county. Again, um, the housing needs for homeless and, and special populations. And then um, how we can fit all of this together to support sustainable communities. The new plan also amends and expands the county's definition of affordable housing to include sub-definitions, such as workforce housing. Currently, the definition of affordable is set at anything below 80% of the area median income. Under that term, housing costs should make up no more than 30% of a family's yearly income. The new policy recommends redefining affordable housing so that when it's renter-occupied housing, that those units would be available to households with incomes at 60% area median income or less. But what about units for sale? For owner-occupied housing, um, those units would still be available to households at the 80% AMI category or less. And we would set the, um, the, the maximum for sale price at 65% of the federal home program, one unit purchase price limit for existing housing. That's a really long title. Uh, but as of today, that maximum sale price would be under $200,000. The maximum is now much higher at $243,750, which is out of reach for many households. Pethia said the median sales price in the county is $405,000. So this, I think, will open the door to homeownership to a lot of different families that have not been able to reach it. In the new plan, Albemarle would adopt a new affordable dwelling unit ordinance to replace the current system where rezonings or special use permits trigger the developer to designate 15% of the total number of units as below market to households with incomes less than 80% of the AMI. With an affordable dwelling unit or ordinance, that would become mandatory. So the developers would have to provide a percentage of affordable housing with rezonings and special use permits. Um, the, the policy proposes increasing that percentage from 15 to 20 percent. 
Developers would still have the ability to make a payment in lieu of providing the housing. Pethia also said the county would have the right of first refusal to purchase those units when they are ready for sale. We, we could purchase up to one third of those right off the bat. A current issue with affordable home ownership is that proffered for sale units required to be below market only have a 90-day eligibility window, after which they can be sold on the open market. Uh, right now, we have a really difficult time getting proffered for sale units purchased um, and, and as, as affordable units. Um, and finally, an affordable dwelling unit ordinance would allow the county to set affordable, affordability periods and, res- and, and control the resale price. Other planks in the plan include exploring county land that could be used to develop below-market housing for public employees, incentives and fee reductions for developers who limit their profit, and more. The Albemarle Planning Commission's public hearing is the second scheduled on the agenda tomorrow night. Read the latest version of the Housing Albemarle Plan before you watch, or watch the Pantops meeting on the county's YouTube page. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for another subscriber-supported public service announcement. It's becoming more and more safe now to go out and check out live music. If you're interested in going out and hearing people who have been waiting to get out and play, check out the Charlottesville Jazz Society and their running list of events. The Charlottesville Jazz Society is dedicated to the promotion, preservation, and perpetuation of all jazz. And the best thing you can do now is get ready to get out and see some music. Check out all of the events in the link in the newsletter. Finally today, last week, the developers of the new code building on the eastern end of the Charlottesville downtown mall opened up for a preview for the press. The name of the structure at 240 West Main Street stands for Center of Developing Entrepreneurs. Uh, So we have not done an on-site tour for those of you that have come before. We've met at the Omni. That's Andrew Beninti of CHS Development, the firm overseeing the site's development. Uh, This time, it's so cool to get on the site. Harrigan construction team is with us. The site of the former Main Street Arena was purchased by a firm associated with Jaffrey Woodruff in March of 2017 for $5.7 million. That building was raised, and construction on its triangular replacement is nearing completion. One of the main features of the new building will be the Code Base co-working facility, which will be managed by Rob Archer. He leads the group of hard hat wearing media into the building. So we just walked into the main entrance, right? You'd actually come in that direction, come to the vestibule area, and then we are here in what we like to call a hotel lobby. The walls are made of concrete and nothing has been furnished yet. But Archer holds up a picture depicting neatly arranged couches and coffee tables. This will be a public space, which leads both to the small working spaces as well as the offices on the upper floors of both wings. Fred Wolf of the firm Wolf Ackerman explains the purpose of the lobby. So the lobby is basically a big, a big mixing bowl for all the people in the building. Obviously, that's why. So we have this um, bar that's going to serve like nitro coffee, wine, beer, mm-hmm. have little snacks, get a newspaper. This could be event space if they have like a reception. 
There will be room for two pop-up restaurants to come and go, as well as a retail space that will face the downtown mall. The idea is that you can have to bring energy and people, and so you want to be able to feed them good food as well. They'll also need energy to climb the stairs, which were the only way to climb up the nine stories to the top of the part of the building that faces Water Street. The elevator was not yet installed on the day we took the tour. On the way to the top, we passed through a 200-person auditorium that can be used for a variety of different purposes. Along the way, I asked Wolf a question. Is this, I gotta ask this question, is this like one of the biggest things you've worked on? Yes. Yeah. It's a big space. Yeah, it's 43,000 square feet. You know, Being an active construction site, it was far too noisy to conduct interviews on site. So we'll get to that in a moment. There's only one level of parking in the basement. I asked Wolf how many spaces they built entirely. I think we ended up with 74. The building didn't actually need any spaces, given the site's location in the downtown parking exempt zone. The spirit of this building which had a lot to do about the health of the, the work environment, the health of the, uh, the, of the tenants and occupants, and, and the belief that there's going to continue to be advances in like driverless vehicles, that Uber, that you know, electrified, that all this other and static parking spaces that, that, that parking could become in the next 10 or 15 years, kind of obsolete notion. We climbed to the top of the building, passing through spaces that will one day be private offices for tenants. From the top of the Water Street side, you can see the three open rooftops connected to the offices on the downtown mall side. Back down on the ground, I asked Rob Archer to talk about what Codebase will be like. So Codebase co-working is really designed to serve business professionals and entrepreneurs. And so it's specifically designed to aid in getting work done. And so what we always say is code-based co-working is a really awesome place to do your very best work. Obviously this, this happens, you start building this thing during the middle, at, at the beginning of the pandemic. A lot of people have said, well, why should we ever have to go back to work? What, what would you say to that? So it's a, it's a really interesting phenomenon that's happened in terms of the timing of things. Um, with the real estate market changing, corporate entities have realized that the lagging asset in terms of change and flexibility is usually real estate. And so now bringing on a model that allows for flexibility, it really acts as a benefit to sort of the corporate structure. And it's also a benefit to those that are interested in or tired of working from home, right, or need to join community. In all, there are 38 private offices and another 15,000 square feet of open space to be shared. The rest of the space will be leased to companies. From the top of the building, you can see the Apex building under construction to the south, the 323 building to the east. You also can't help but notice the skeleton of the landmark two blocks away. Does Charlottesville have enough companies that want this much office space? Here's Andrew Beninti again. When we first started, before the pandemic, I really felt pretty confident with all of the interest that we had and letters of intent and things of that nature that we would have been 100% occupied when we opened this September. But everyone pressed pause for a moment and uh, 
So we've been in the pause mode for about 12 months, but things really, I think maybe with the rollout of the vaccine, you know, the vaccine, we really have seen activity starting to pick up. So we are in the process of signing several small tenant leases, and I feel comfortable saying that we'll be 75 to 80 percent least when we open and so you know in this environment i feel very good about that now you got a couple other buildings that are coming online 323 absolutely uh the other one the apex building sure. you know obviously it's a lot coming on the market at once does that change things yeah i, I think that it does i i think first of all they're both very very good buildings and and you know good gives people good choices anyway. Uh, obviously, we consider, if, you, if you're a monopoly player, we consider ourselves to be boardwalk and park place. And, uh, but the other buildings are extremely nice. Apex, which is you know, obviously predominantly taken by Apex, really did not have a lot of space uh, that would be offered to the community. And 323 has been ahead of us, so they've been, they've been signing up tenants at a little quicker pace. I think the real key for leasing here in Charlottesville is can we bring new businesses from out of town? Because mm-hmm. I think what you see is a circulation, we're moving the same tenants around. So, uh, and we need to see new blood come into the community. And that's what we're hoping to attract here at Code. Mm-hmm. But right now, our tenants have been existing tenants that, you, that are in the community already. So The Center for Developing Entrepreneurs is expected to open in September. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for May 3rd, 2021. We are back for another month of spectacular information about this community from all sorts of different sides and angles. Uh, If you have enjoyed this program, please do consider sending it on to somebody else. And uh, in the meantime, you know, uh, thanks very much for listening. The audience is growing each and every week, and I really am excited about that. If you did want to subscribe and pay some money at this time, Ting will match what you have contributed. So if you uh, contributed at a $5 a month level, Ting will match that. If you do so at the $50 or $200 a year level, Ting will also match that as well. There's information for that in the newsletter, or just drop me a line if you have any questions. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host, and I will be back tomorrow with another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. In the meantime, stay safe out there and try to do something nice for somebody who is not you or family. <laughs>